open your Bible to the book of 1 Samuel. I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing tonight, and I'll be right in the thick of it in a moment. But last, last Wednesday night, I mentioned to you something that will really help you appreciate your Bible more, understand your Bible better, and simplify uh, your Bible reading. Many of you follow a Bible reading plan. And let's just say that today, uh, your Bible reading plan, let's play like, moves you to 1 Samuel. So you say, okay, today I'm in 1 Samuel. This is what my Bible reading plan is. Now, it would be good, in fact, it would be really good, if you knew what the book of 1 Samuel was about before you just start reading, you know, X number of verses that day. Now, I have been working on a project big time. I really, I really got really into it on our 50th wedding anniversary. On our 50th anniversary, Dottie gave me a, a Bible, and she wrote nice things in the Bible. And, and I've, I've just loved it. And so from that time to where we are now, which is almost seven years later, I have lots of, I have many Bibles, and I've, that's one of my problems. I have too many Bibles, and I make notes in this Bible, and then I can't remember what Bible I made the notes. But what I've wanted to do and have been working on diligently since uh, our 50th anniversary is on the front, on the page of each book in the Bible, just to have a simple one or two sentence statement what this book is about. And you say, well, have you not completed that? Well, here's, here's the problem. I just got a new Bible. But what I've decided to do with this Bible, and I'm declaring this, and it's a good Bible. It will last a long time, but I'm declaring that I want this to be my, my last new Bible because I, I have about five Bibles I have to consult every time I do something because I've got stuff scribbled in all these different Bibles. But what I'm doing, I'm going back to that 50th anniversary Bible, and I'm trying to clean up how I wrote in the front of each book in the Bible what that book is about. And so I would encourage you, don't start out writing in your Bible. Uh, take a pad, a uh, workbook of some kind, and you know, you begin the project, and then what you'll find, you know, the more you write something, the better it gets. Is that not true? The secret to good writing is rewriting. You just keep rewriting the thing over and over, and it gets better. So I've finally cleaned up what I've decided I'm going to put in my new Bible in First Samuel. Now, if you'll take your bulletin, I gave you part of that last week. Last week, I said, if you'll look at your bulletin, First Samuel describes a transition of leadership in Israel, from judges to kings. Now, that's what I said last week. Now, tonight, I want to add one more literal sentence, and I did for you. You don't have to write it now. It's right here for you. And I don't think you can get this any cleaner. I think this is about as clean as it's going to get. And so I encourage you, make this a project. You'll, you'll have fun doing this. Uh, don't write it in the Bible until you kind of get it cleaned up. But wouldn't it be good in all 66 books in your Bible when you, go, when you come to whether it's 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, when you look, you've got one little sentence, two little sentences. It says, this is what this book is about. Now, if you look at your sheet tonight, I've added this. The main characters in 1 Samuel are Samuel, Saul, and David. And actually, that's what the whole book of 1 Samuel is about. 
And we won't repeat everything we said last week about how uh, the people are the king. And I went through that last week. I'll not do that again tonight. I just encourage you to do that. You, I can't tell if you're just captivated by the idea or you just think, Pastor, surely, surely we can use our time better. I'm saying you cannot. It will really bless you in your Bible reading. Now, my subject tonight, and you see it on the sheet, some things we all need in our lives. And this was the subject we had last Wednesday night. And you know, that's true. And here's why that's true. Listen carefully. What life does to you depends on what life finds in you. Now that, that I don't have a slide on that. But that's worth jotting down. And that's what I'm talking about when I say some things we all need uh, in our lives. And that's true because of that statement I just made, what life does to you. And you know, life does do things to you. And whatever life does to you depends on what? Depends on what life finds in you. And upon that, we'll pick up tonight and go uh, where we're going. Now, if you look at your work uh, your, your Bible study outline for tonight. Last Wednesday night, if you were present, or if you were watching, uh, I had uh, a Bible study with seven things uh, and blanks to fill in of things that we see in the life of David that we need to build into our life. So when life comes along and does things to us, life finds the right things in us. And last Wednesday night, we covered these first three, and I have them listed for you tonight, and I'm not going to repeat that message from last week. Just very simply to say, we need to be faithful in the present. We looked at that last Wednesday night. Uh, we need to use the talents God has given us. We saw David doing that. That's something we need to build into our life. Look at the talents we have and use them for God, and then we need to be responsible. And so we dealt with that last week. Now, those things are behind us, so tonight we're going to pick up with some new material, and I think we're in for some good things to think about. Uh, what we want to do tonight, this number four that you have on your Bible study sheet, if I'm going right, that is right. Number four is very simply, we need to be respectful and obedient. And I wish you'd just jot that down, and if you're at home, if you're where you can, that is something to build into your life that will pay off big time as you journey through life. Now, if you're in 1 Samuel, turn over in chapter number 17. And we're going to go over in chapter 17 tonight. And we'll just look at a verse or two to see that. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look down. This is the chapter, of course, about David and Goliath. And look down in verse 15. It says something very interesting about David. Remember now, he's over with Saul. But here's what the Bible says. It says, David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Remember, Bethlehem is the, is the home, the birthplace of David. And, uh, and so there you, you, you think about that a moment. Uh, he, he was respectful to his father. He remembered his father had responsibilities and things to be done. And from time to time, he would return home to help with those. Look down in verse 18. Uh, uh, his, his father, Jesse, had told him to carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands to see how your brothers are doing and bring back news of them. And then if you look down in verse 20, it says, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went 
as Jesse, as his father, had commanded him. And he came to the camp, da da da. Here's the point, though, as you look at that. You see that David, as a young man, was respectful and obedient. You know, those are great qualities. Uh, whether you're a young person or middle-aged or old or whatever, we need to always show respect to people as people, as, as human beings made in the image of God. And, of course, this whole idea of being obedient. And, of course, later in David's life, you show him, uh, you see him showing his respect and obedience to God. For example, in Psalm 51, where he confessed his sin with Bathsheba, uh, that's a beautiful psalm, and all through that psalm, you see how he's pouring out his heart uh, in respect and in obedience to God. You read the psalms, and David, of course, wrote so many of the psalms, and you see the very same thing there. Now, as I think about that, I think it, it leads me to ask these questions, and I suggest you think about them yourself. That is, first of all, how much respect, if you were giving yourself a, a self-grade test, Ten being good, one being, you know, not too good, five being in the middle. Uh, how, how would you grade yourself? Uh, what would you, what, how would you chalk it up? W- would you say that, uh, that you have the respect for God that you should have? You know, where would you fall in that? Or how about for God's Word? You know, respect for God's Word. Uh, respect for God's church. Respect for God's day. You know, as you begin to think about that and begin to be honest about it, like, you know, we have the Bible, we have the Word of God. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. And yet, you know, uh, less than the the polls that are taken, whether they be totally accurate or not, I have no way of knowing. But they say, you know, less than 2% of uh, evangelical Christians say they've ever even read through the Bible one time. And probably worse than that uh, is how many Christians just day after day never open their Bible, never read the Bible, have no respect for the Bible. And you know, you have respect for the Bible if you do what God says. I mean, uh, if, if, if Joel tells his children or Jody tells the children uh, to do this or that or yonder, and, and they don't do that, then they don't have respect for their parents. Well, you know, that's the same thing true with God. When God tells us this is what you should do, you say, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we, we say, well, I, you know, I would never say that to God. Well, we say it when we do it or when we don't do it. And so that is a great thing to, you know, we have to work at that because th- there's so many things that will try to get us off track where you know, God's Word and God's day and God's church and God Himself just is not on the list where He should be. Well, let's move on from that. Uh, We need to remember that God uh, has helped us in the past. And boy, that's a huge one. That's just, you talk about something that will give you faith or, or strengthen your faith and give you courage Uh, defeat fear is to be reminded of all the different ways God has helped you in the past. Now, we see that in the life of David in a beautiful way. We're in in chapter 17. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look with me down, uh, picking up about verse 32. Um, You know, he's gone down. He's about to get in this situation where he's going to be involved in killing the giant. 
But in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine, talking about Goliath, the giant. And Saul said to David, well, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. David at this time was probably about 20 years of age. Now picture this. he got this nine-foot Philistine giant with all this armor and stuff, and this 20-year-old kid is going to go out and fight this giant. But David said to Saul, your servant, talking about himself, uh, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. He says, your servant, David, now he's talking about himself, has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Uh, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the, this Philistine. And Saul said to him, go and the Lord be with you. I mean, <laughs> I can just try to imagine what Saul thought. But, he, but here's the point. What David's doing here, he's just publicly declaring what he already knew privately. Nothing will give you courage more than to think back in your life at times where you just didn't know how you were going to work through whatever it was, get through whatever it was, and yet God, in a wonderful way, he helps you in times past, and he'll do it every single time. My favorite verse on that, you might want to jot that down, is in Psalm 13, in verse number 6. That psalm only has six verses. And David wrote that psalm. And David said, uh, David said I, will tr I will trust in the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Do you remember that psalm? If you do, it starts out, it's, that's an interesting psalm. It, the first two verses, I don't know what translation you have, but I would think in every translation, the first two verses, Psalm 13, are all question marks. They end in a question mark. They're questions. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Question mark. Forever? Question mark. How long will you hide your face from me? Question mark. So what you have in Psalm 13, David is just saying everything about my life is a question mark. Do you ever feel that way? Don't we all from time to time, you know, if someone said, how are you doing? Well, we'd never, what we always say is what? I'm great. How are you? Or I'm fine. How are you? Well, many times they're lying between their teeth. They're coming apart. But we've been taught to say that. If we told the truth, sometimes we'd just say, you know, to be honest with you, I don't have a clue how I'm doing. Everything about my life seems to be a question. There's nothing seems to make sense. Well, that was David. And then in verses 3 and 4, he prayed. But then in verses 5 and 6, if you read that psalm later, it's beautiful. It sounds like another guy. He said, I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bounty for me. What David did, he remembered this was not the first question mark time he had been in life. And when he reflected back on that, I just encourage you, first of all, I hope you're not facing a Goliath in your life right now. You may be. Maybe you just recently did, or, you know, it may be down the road. Who knows? But here's what we do know.
if, if we will just remember how God has helped us in the past, it always gives us courage and strengthens our faith to move forward in the future. Well, let's look at number six. Another thing we see in the life of David, we need to stay in our anointing. Now, boy, this is a huge one. This is a huge one. Uh, look with me. We're going to see it in verses 38 through, uh, through 40. Look, so Saul clothed David with his armor. Now, here's this 20-year-old kid, and they're, they're putting on the battle armor for him. They, they, he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Big, it's like a, you know, I'd call it like a, a shield, like a bulletproof vest. Now you can imagine what all this weighed. David fastened his sword with his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. It's stuff, I mean, he, he just thought, I feel awkward. I, don't, I can't navigate like this. I can't handle this. He said, I've not tested them. So David took them off. Verse 40 says, then David took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Now they're down in the valley of Elah. Those of us who've been to Israel, only two or three trips of all of our trips to Israel have we been able to go to the valley of Elah. But it's, a, it's, a, it's just kind of an out of the way place to get to, but it's a very exciting place. And uh, so he takes these five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag. Now think about this. He's traded in this armor, <laughs> and now he has a, a staff in his hand, and he has him five little smooth stones, and he has this little shepherd's bag in a pouch. And then he had his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now I want to stop there just a moment because there's a great lesson here. What, what David did when he had all that armor on, he was, he was out of his anointing. He, he was in his anointing when he had a staff and some stones and his sling and the shepherd's bag. That's, that's just who he was. That's who God had made him at that time. He had not made him a warrior. He had made him who he was. Now, you know... I think as much as anybody's ever helped me with this, Dr. Kendall uh, has probably helped me understand better about being in your anointing uh, than anybody that's ever talked to me about it. I think John would say the very, he's talked to both of us uh, in length about this whole idea. And, and what he, he said to us, you know, and this will apply to you because he said, if we stay in our anointing as we go through our work, go through our life, we, we, we have a peace about it. And when we get out of our anointing, we, we, we're, trying to, we're, we're either trying to or having to do things that are really out of our anointing. We, we don't have that peace. And of course, we're not going to be as productive in those things. And he said, you just have to guard against that. Just work at Staying in your anointing. What is it that God has gifted you to do and has called you to do and placed you where you are to do? And do that as best you can. Now, that's not to say that there aren't things we have to do that I don't consider to be in my anointing. I just, I just take like at church. I, I hate to illustrate church because all of you don't work at the church. But like 
there's two things. You have church work, and then you have the work of the church. Now, church work, you, you, you could do church work, not even be a Christian. You could. It's just stuff you have to do. You'd probably do it better if you were a Christian. Or you'd be happy doing it if you were a Christian. But now the work of the church, that's a whole different deal there. That's what the church should be doing. It's what we should do. Now, I would just encourage you to say, you know, maybe you say, how would this apply to me? Well, okay. Uh, let's say Pam is trying to talk to you about doing some job in the church or any of the ministers. And they share with you about the job and what's involved and what you need to do and what you need to understand, what your commitment level be. And, you know, like, like if she were trying, for example, to enlist somebody to work with the elementary students. And when she finished her spill, they said to her, you know, I'll be honest with you. I just can't stand being around that age kid. Well, we wouldn't want that person working there. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that you're in their anointing. However, they may have another area where if some minister is trying to enlist them. So I, I would encourage you to think about this. As people ask you to do things, whether at church or away from church, always ask yourself, now, do, do I feel like that that would be something that if I did, I would be in God's anointing and guard against doing things that, you, you have no peace doing, and you just think, you know, um, they wanted me to put on the armor of Goliath, but I'm really a, a slingshot person, and, and I need to be doing this or that or yonder. So maybe that's something that will be helpful to you. It is indeed. I wish I had known that long years before in my ministry. It would have, I, would have, I would have done better, and uh, uh, I, I would have... Well, I'll just say I would have done better. It would have been better. All right, number seven. We need to remember the battles we face are uh, in life are the Lord's. And look with me in First Samuel chapter 17. Let's pick up verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. Now look what he said. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Now look at this. Here's a Bible underlined phrase for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. And you know, that's a, that's a thing we all need to remember as we journey through life, that, that you know, we face all these things, but <laughs> the battle is the Lord's. See, David 
you know, he went, if you just read that, I mean, if you read that, and let's say you weren't even a Christian, you read that story, and you say, well, you know, he went to battle Goliath with a sling and five smooth stones. Well, if you were a Christian and read that, you say, well, that's true. <laughs> but he also went with the creator of the universe on his side. You know, we need to remember that, that uh, we don't get out here in life and just take all the resources we have and the things we've given. When we get out in our life trying to do what God has given us to do and facing the things that God has, at least in his sovereign will, allowed to come, uh, we go with the creator of the universe. And it's interesting, in the end, when you read the end of this story, you know, the giant, old Philistine Goliath, told David, he said, I'm going to, you know, you, you're going to wind up your flesh being eaten by the animals and the birds. Well, as it wound up, Goliath's flesh was eaten by the lions and the birds. Now, here's, here's the thing I think that is important when you think about this whole deal about, you know, what life does to us depends on what life finds in us. Is The key is to be prepared before the Goliaths of life come. Yeah, that's the key. See, before David killed Goliath, all these qualities were already part of his life. And that was the key. You know, so many times uh, we, we, we let the Goliaths come and then think, well, I'll just now get prepared. Well, it's, it, it, that's backwards. We, we get prepared. David, he was prepared before the encounter. And I want to encourage you in your spiritual life. We all go through things in life. There are some Goliaths. If we had a little testimony time tonight, almost every one of us here could say, well, you know, I guess maybe if I had to name the two or three hardest things I've ever been through in my life, this would be on the list, and this would be on the list, and this would be on the list. Might be a good thing to do. If, if you'd take it a step beyond and say, well, how'd that turn out? Well, <laughs> kind of like it did here. God, God got me through that. God got me through that. And he always will. And here's the beautiful thing. We have his word on it.